You are listening to a podcast by Spring Hill Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. Spring Hill Church is called to reach everyday people with God's grace, His unconditional love, and the life-changing power of His Word. Thanks for listening, and if you would like more information, you can visit us online at springhill.cc. Tell you what, let's just open our message today in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you so much again for the opportunity that we have together, not only in your presence, but around your holy written word. And I thank you, Father, for again, the, the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said he is the teacher. He is the one that brings revelation and insight. So we look to him today to receive revelation knowledge from your word. I thank you, Father, that as, as the anointing rests in this place, Father, that my mind will be filled with your thoughts and my mouth will be filled with your words. And Father, I thank you that in Jesus' name, we'll be not just hearers of the word, but we'll be doers of the word as well. And we purpose in our hearts to obey what you say to us in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Well, this is week number six in our series called Back to the Basics. And again, uh, the Lord laid this on my heart uh, to, you know, and I've been doing this for a few years now. During the summer, we go back and we cover some basic truths from the Word of God and just refresh ourselves. And, uh, you know, it does me good uh, to study these things again. And I know, uh, you know, not because it's me, but because it's the Word of God, it does you good to hear it again <laughs> But I love what the Word says, and, and I want to go back and let's look at our foundation scripture for this series. And it's found in Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 1, and I'm reading from the Passion Translation, and it says this, This is why it is so crucial that we be all the more engaged and attentive to the truths, notice this, that we have heard so that we do not drift off course. You know, I, again, as I said to you last week, we have heard enough word. No matter where you might be in your, your walk as a believer, you've heard enough word to last you throughout eternity if, in, if we'll just endeavor to do what we've heard. And so I love the fact that this scripture says that it's crucial that we be all the more engaged and attentive to the things, the truths that we have heard so that we don't drift off course. And so God's will, God's plan is, is that we don't drift off course. And the way that we do that is we just remind ourselves of some of these things that uh, we have heard before. Now, I want to say this to you. Uh, I have not um, experienced a memory loss or anything like that. The things that we're going to talk about, particularly for the Wednesday night Bible study crowd, by the way, let me put in a little shameless plug here. If you'd like to join us for Wednesday night Bible study, we do it online via Zoom, and uh, we get together and, and study the Word for an hour, and uh, if you'd love, if, if you want to be a part of that, we'd love to have you. The link is always on the homepage on the website on Wednesdays, and you can just click, click there, and uh, it will take you right into Zoom, and, and you can get set up there and, and follow along with us. So, but anyway... Some of these things we covered not too long ago in our Zoom Bible study on Wednesday nights, and then I know, I went back and I looked, some of these things we talked about in our Christmas series called Don't Be a Grinch, and so I don't want you to think that I have forgotten we just recently taught on this. Let me tell you why we're covering it again, and it's strictly because of this, Jesus said to. 
You know, in prayer, as I'm praying over what, what the Lord wants me to talk about, I knew a general direction that I wanted to go in. And um, I knew, again, that I had recently taught on this, especially on Wednesday nights. And I asked the Lord, uh, you know, what do you want me to do? Do you want me to go in this direction? And this that we're going to talk about is what rose up in my spirit as I was praying about it. So I don't apologize for re repeating it. Uh, at all, because if anything, I need to hear it again, but I'm quite sure there might be somebody in the room beside me that could use it as well. Amen? So what we're talking about is how faith works by love. We've been talking about faith over the last few weeks, and I want to look at Galatians chapter 5 and verse 6. It says this also in the Passion Translation, when you're placed into the anointed one, Christ and joined to him, circumcision and religious obligations can benefit you nothing. All that matters now is living in the faith, look at this, that is activated and brought to perfection by love. And one translation, I believe it's the old King James, says this, that faith works by love. So in all that we've been talking about, about how to pray the prayer of faith, how to believe God, how to trust God, I want to say this, that it is crucially important that we understand how to walk in love because your faith will not work if love is not operative in your life. All right, so let's get into this. Let's look at Mark chapter 11, verses 23 through 26. This is what we've been looking at as far as our study on faith. And Jesus said this, For assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. So these are wonderful promises that the Lord Jesus made to us. And we get all excited about these, and we should. And they're, they're relevant to us, and we need to walk in these things. However, in the very next verse, in verse 25, it begins with the word and, and that means that what Jesus is getting ready to say is connected to what he just got through saying. Anybody remember the old cartoon on Saturday mornings, Conjunction, Junction, what's your, finish it with me. Okay, yeah, connecting words and phrases. All right, you remember, so when Jesus said, and what he is getting ready to say is part of what he just got through saying. So let's go on. Let's read this. And whenever you stand praying, and let me say it to you this way. And whenever you are ready to release your faith, whenever you're ready to put your faith to work, whether it be in prayer or by the words of your mouth, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. So again, and, and you know what's interesting is, and to my knowledge, everywhere else that Jesus taught on faith, uh, he did not mention the connection between using your faith and forgiveness like he did here. So this must be very important. It must be crucial to our faith in God's word, being able to work and to be able to function like God wants it to function. 
I'll say this to you. This isn't in your notes, but I would say unforgiveness is one of the main obstacles to our faith working and our prayers being answered. Now, here's why. It's not because God gets mad at you. It's because when you choose to, un- or to walk in unforgiveness or not forgive people, you tie the hands of God. You limit what he can do in your life. God can't work in a, in a situation or a heart that is burdened with unforgiveness. Now, I knew it would be quiet as we talked about this today, but just cough or something. Let me know you're still here, okay, every now and then. All right, so let's talk about, let's talk about how does God forgive? What is this thing called forgiveness? Now, it's very, very important. I, I, I recently, and I say recently, within the last, oh, four or five years, tweaked what I have taught on forgiveness in the sense of I, I, I got some further insight from how Jesus taught that we are to forgive And it might be a little different than maybe what you have heard in the past. It was different than what I had necessarily taught in the past, not in a major way, but just little adjustments. And and that is this, and, and let's talk about this. If you're writing notes, write this down. There are three parts to forgiveness. There are three parts to forgiveness. And we'll get into this and explain it. But here's the first one. The first part is the heart of forgiveness, the heart of forgiveness. Number two is the act of forgiveness. Act of forgiveness. Now, the act of forgiveness is what makes the relationship right, restores the relationship. And then number three is restoration of the position in the relationship or uh, that leads to and connected to fellowship, okay? Now, it's very important that you understand these three parts, the heart of forgiveness, the act of forgiveness, and the restoration of the relationship or restoration in the position in the relationship. Now, what I have taught, and this is where I have, you know, and I'm not saying it was wrong. I'm just saying I'm, I'm adjusting and adding to, and that is this. We are required by Jesus to to have a heart of forgiveness whether the other person asks for your forgiveness or not. If they do repent, then we extend to them the act of forgiveness, okay? Then after that, then we can begin working towards this thing called restoration of fellowship. Now, this is exactly how God works with us. And let me explain, and I'm going to break this down for you so that you can understand this very, very clearly. Here's the first thing. Write this down, please. When Jesus died for us, he died for all. He died for everybody. You know, I, uh, it's amazing to me how we in the church forget that even people in the world that act crazy and do crazy stuff and, and annoy us or, or just amaze us or whatever, whatever you want to use, the word is that you want to use, you've got to remind yourself Jesus died for them and loves them as much as he loves you and died for you, okay? So we can't think that because we're on this side of the cross and we have received Christ and we are born again 
that we are somehow better than those who have not and act crazy and do crazy stuff as worldly people do, we've got to remind ourselves that they just have not received something that Jesus has already done for them. So again, the first thing is we need to understand that Jesus died for all. Let's look at a couple of scriptures. Romans chapter 5 and verse 12 in the New Living Bible says this, when Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death, so death spread to everyone, for everyone sinned. So just by merit of being born into this earth, we're born into a broken, fallen, sin-filled earth, and because of that, and because of Adam's sin and his rebellion, sin passed upon all mankind, okay? It doesn't seem fair, and, and if Adam is in heaven, you know, I, I, I would assume that he is, but if he is, you can ask him about it. In other words, why did you, and, and listen, you're going to have to forgive Adam too, okay? Because he messed this whole thing up, all right? But anyway, but because of what he did, death spread to everyone for everyone's sin. Verse 18 says this, yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone, but here's the good news, Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and new life for everyone. You know, there's a scripture in Romans that says that righteousness has come upon all men. Now, think about this for just a second. The worst heathen that you can think of doing the most vile thing that you can think of, did you know righteousness is following them around everywhere they go? waiting for them to turn their heart to receive what Christ did for them. You know, a, a sinner can be sitting in, in a bar, at the bar, with a drink in their hand, and righteousness is right there waiting for them to receive. Why? Because Jesus paid the price. Look at what it said. He, his act, one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and new life for everyone. Okay? Hebrews chapter 7 and verse 27 says this, unlike the other high priests of the Old Testament, he, Jesus, does not need to offer sacrifices day after day, first for his own sins and then for the sins of the people. That's what the Old Testament priests had to do. Notice what Jesus did. He sacrificed for their sins once for all when he offered himself. So here's the thing that I want you to see. In God's heart and in his mind, the price has already been paid for every man, woman, boy, and girl since Jesus that has ever walked the face of the planet. Okay? It is so important for us to understand that. So Jesus never again has to die. Listen, when you opened your heart and you received Christ as your Savior, Jesus didn't have to get up come back down to the earth, get back up on the cross, pay that price, shed his blood, and, and, and do everything that he did just so you could get saved. No, he did it one time. And he did it one time for everybody. And so all of, uh, uh, it's available to every human being. Write this down, please. When Jesus died for all, he paid in full the sin debt that we were incapable of paying. Now, I'm going somewhere with this, and I'm building. So, so I want you to pay attention to the, the, the words here 
that he paid in full a debt, a debt. Notice that we had a debt that we owed that we could not pay, okay? So because, again, of Adam's sin. So Jesus died for us, and he paid in full the sin debt. Now, can I say this to you? There is nothing you need to do to help pay that sin debt. You know, I know it, it, it almost seems too good to be true, but that's the beauty of the gospel. The fact is that Jesus paid it all. And listen, I, I believe in coming to church. I believe in reading your Bible. I believe in praying. I believe in all those things. I believe we need to live accordingly. But I want to say this to you. None of those things do anything to pay for your sin. Jesus did it all. He paid for it all. Look at Colossians chapter 2, verses 13 and 14 in the easy-to-read translation. It says this, You were spiritually dead because of your sins, because you were not free from the power of your sinful self. But God gave you new life together with Christ. He forgave all our sins. Now, I want you to just think about this for a question, for, for a moment. When did he forgive your sin? When you received it or when Jesus paid it? When Jesus paid it, okay? Verse 14, because we broke God's laws, listen to this, we owed a debt, a debt that listed all the rules we failed to follow. But look at this, this is so good. But God forgave us of that debt. He took it away and nailed it to the cross. So here's how God works. Once and for all, Jesus paid the price for you and for me. So in God's heart, every person is already forgiven. The blood has already been shed. The price has already been paid. And this is the beauty of God's grace. And you have been forgiven of a debt that you owed, maybe not originally because of Adam's sin, but I know whether Adam sinned or not, I did. And, and, and you did too, okay? Just don't look at me so holy. All right. Okay, so the point is, is that in God's heart and mind, every person, the price has already been paid, and in his heart, they are already forgiven. Now, I don't want to bring any confusion, so write this down. So then... In the heart of God, we are forgiven. Does that mean, though, that we are automatically saved? And there are some who teach that. Like, they're, they're, that God doesn't, nobody goes to hell. There's no such thing as a hell. And that's not true. The Bible doesn't teach that. The Bible teaches that hell is very real, okay? And by the way, God doesn't send anybody to hell. We send ourselves to hell by rejecting what Jesus did for us. Can I say this? Did you know homosexuality won't send you to hell? Being an adulterer won't send you to hell? Being a drunk won't send you to hell? None of those things send you to hell except for the one sin of failing to receive what Christ did for you. That's why we end up in hell. Okay? Now, you shouldn't do all those things, but that doesn't determine whether you go to heaven or hell. All right? So, does this mean, though, because in God's heart you are already forgiven, does that mean you're automatically saved? Emphatically, no. It does not mean 
you're automatically saved, okay? But in God's heart, the price is already paid. So that there must be something else that needs to happen in order for our relationship with God to be made whole so that we can have fellowship with him, okay? Now, I'm building on this, and I'm wanting you to, to draw a connection because the way God handles this and the way God does this is exactly the way Jesus said we are to handle forgiveness, okay? So, as we have seen so far, in the heart of God, we are already forgiven, but that does not mean we're automatically saved. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 4. Although the scripture says that God desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. What is the knowledge of the truth that God needs people to come and to, to understand? And that is this, that there is something you do need to do in order to receive this wonderful free gift of forgiveness that God has provided for us. All right, so here's what you have to do, and write this down, please. We must acknowledge the truth that I need Jesus, that I'm lost without him, that we are sinners. Then we believe what he did for us and repent. Everybody say repent. Then receive the act of God's forgiveness. So in the heart and the mind of God, Jesus has already paid the price, so you are already forgiven. But until you and I hear the truth, acknowledge the truth, and repent, and acknowledge I need to make Jesus Christ the Lord of my life, I need to believe in my heart that he died for me and that he was raised from the dead, then we are saved and then we receive the act of God's forgiveness. What does that mean? The act of God's forgiveness places me back or into right relationship with him. Are you following me? Okay. Look at what uh, Acts chapter 3 and verse 19 says. So repent. This is the gospel being preached Peter uh, preaching the gospel, so repent, change your mind and purpose, turn around and return to God, look at this, that your sins may be erased, blotted out, and wiped clean, that times of refreshing, of recovering from the effects of heat, of reviving with fresh air may come from the presence of the Lord. So let, let me walk you through this so that I make sure that everybody understands in the heart of God, because of what Jesus did once and for all, all humanity is already forgiven. But you don't receive the act of that forgiveness until you acknowledge the truth, you repent, and receive Christ as your Lord and Savior. Then you're brought into right relationship with God. And then that opens the door for fellowship to take place. But I'm going to go a step further and say this. How many of you know that you can be in right relationship with God and not walk in fellowship with God? You can be a good born-again Christian, go to church every Sunday, but you never fellowship with God. See, fellowship is something that's a result of relationship, but the two are not the same. 
okay? Let me illustrate it for you. My mother and stepfather are sitting right back here. I'm in right relationship with them. But if I never call or go to their house or we ever get together, we're not fellowshipping. We're in right relationship, but we have no fellowship with each other. Now, that's, that's something that we have to do but what I want you to see is, is that the heart of God is that all people are already forgiven, but it, so the heart of forgiveness has been extended to humanity, but it's up to us to receive the act of forgiveness by what we do in receiving that. Is everybody tracking with me? Okay. All right. Thank you for those two people. All right. Now, that's how God forgives and what's cool is, is even after being born again, even after receiving Christ, if we miss it all we, and our fellowship is broken, then all we have to do is go to God, according to 1 John 1, 9, and confess our sins, and he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And from that moment, fellowship and righteousness is restored. Thank God. You know, thank God, it, 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 you know, for his mercy and his grace. Again, somebody might say, and you know, I think this too, this, this is just too awesome to be true, but it is truth. This is the beauty of the gospel. Now, religion will tell you, you need to do, do, do. The gospel says it's already done, done, done. Okay, now let's go to a scripture a portion of scripture rather, and let's look at how does God want me to forgive people? So if it's a requirement, and it is, by the way, Jesus said in John chapter 13 that this is a new commandment that I give to you that you love one another. So instead of trying to fulfill the 650 or 80 commandments of the Old Testament, however many they are, we have one commandment that we have to live by, and that is to love one another. And by the way, did you know in, if, in, if we do that, we fulfill all of the old ones, okay? All right, so it is a requirement. Jesus did not say, I give unto you a new suggestion, okay? It is a commandment, all right? So if Jesus is the Lord of your life, you're gonna have to obey his commandment, all right? So, but how does he want us to forgive? Let's look at Matthew 18, Verses 21 through 35. I'm going to read it to you out of the Amplified Bible. And it says this, Then Peter came to Jesus and he said, Lord, how many times, that may, uh, how many times may my brother sin against me and I forgive him and let it go? As many as up to seven times. Peter thought he was really being generous. Seven times, okay? Jesus answered him, I tell you, not up to seven times, but 70 times seven. See, Peter thought he was doing good. Lord, how many times should I forgive somebody in a day? Seven times? And Jesus said, no, 490. Okay? I've had some people really annoy me, bother me, offend me, and so forth, but I don't know that I've ever had it happen close to 500 times in one day, the same person. Okay? So, so we can see Jesus is going to the extreme in this to paint a picture for us. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a human king who wished to settle accounts with his attendants. When he began the accounting, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents, probably about $10 million, a lot of money. 
And because he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and his children and everything that he possessed and payment to be made. So the attendant fell on his knees begging him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And his master's heart was moved with compassion and he released him and forgave him, canceling, here's that word again, the debt. Okay, so the man owed his boss $10 million. His boss demanded payment, and the, the guy said, I, you know, I don't have it. I'm begging you to have mercy and compassion on me. The boss does and forgives him of the $10 million debt. But that same attendant, as he went out, found one of his fellow attendants who owed him 100 denarii, about $20. Now, would you say that's equal debt? Heck no. <laughs> 10 million versus $20. And he caught him by the throat and said, pay what you owe. So his fellow attendant fell down and begged him earnestly, give me time and I will pay you all. That's exactly what he did. But he was unwilling and he went out and had him put in prison till he should pay the debt. When his fellow attendants saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed and they went and told everything that had taken place to their master. Then his master called him and said to him, you contemptible and wicked servant or attendant, I forgave and canceled all the great debt of yours because you begged me to. And should you not have had pity and mercy on your fellow attendant as I had pity and mercy on you? And in wrath, his master turned him over to the torturers, the jailers, till he should pay all that he owed. Uh, one translation says that he turned him over to the tormentors, okay? And, and, and I'll explain that in just a moment. Now listen to what verse 35 says, and pay attention to the detail. So also my heavenly Father will deal with every one of you if you do not freely forgive your brother Look at this, from your heart, his offenses. Now, here's what I want you to see. In the kingdom of God, the way that you and I are supposed to forgive people is whether they repent or not, you are to extend to them the heart of forgiveness. What does that mean? You forgive them and release the debt that they owe you, okay? If you think about it, you remember, um, well, we'll talk about this more in just a second, but the Bible likens when we offend someone or, or we, someone offends us or, or harms us in some way as far as, you know, uh, burned us in a business deal or or, you know, uh, in, in a relationship type situation and, and we got our feelings hurt or we got hurt in some way, shape, or form. Our human nature is this. That person owes me something. At minimum, they owe me an apology. Anybody ever heard that before? You know, I'm mad at you and you owe me an apology. In other words, you owe me a debt of an apology. And, or, you know, and if it's, uh, let's say a business deal or, you know, you burn me financially. So, you know, not only do you need to apologize, but you need to make it right. 
So you owe me. So when we get offended, when we get our feelings hurt, when somebody does us wrong, the human nature part of it is that they owe you something. And when you owe someone something, it's called a debt. That's why that word keeps coming up in all of this. Uh, okay, so are you following me? All right. Let me, let me just take a little poll real quick. Anybody in here ever been done wrong before? Some of you aren't really, maybe you're the one that did wrong. I mean, I'm just, I'm just saying. No, I'm just kidding. All right. So what is the process of based on what God tells us, what Jesus tells us here, that we are supposed to forgive people? Now, uh, and, and I'll get into this, and I'll, I'll show you where I've had to tweak my, my uh, thinking just a little bit. All right, so here's the first thing. Number one, in your heart. Everybody say that. In my heart, okay? You begin forgiving by releasing any ill will towards them and wish goodwill to them or pray for goodwill towards them. Okay, so you release any goodwill, or ill will, rather. Um, you know what ill will sounds like? You know what? Karma's going to get you, and I hope I'm around to watch it. Am I wrong? No, see, that's human nature. I hope I see you get what is coming to you. That's wishing ill will. The Scripture, and we'll see this in a minute, the Scripture calls that malice, Okay? And Christians aren't supposed to allow malice into our hearts, okay? So in your heart, you, forgive, you begin forgiving by releasing any ill will towards them and wish goodwill to them. Let me show you how the Lord did this, how God did this. On the night that Jesus was born, do you recall when the angels appeared to the shepherds in their fields, what they declared to their shepherds? They said this, glory to God in the highest, peace on earth, good will toward men. In other words, what the angels were declaring is God has, has, has set aside and wiped out any ill will towards humanity, and now all he wants is good will towards humanity. On the night that Jesus was born, and because Jesus himself was personifying that good will, now, here's the second thing. Write this down, please. With the heart of forgiveness, you release that person from owing you a debt to make things right between you. Now, this is regardless. What, we've, what we're talking about up to this point is whether they come to you and ask for forgiveness or not. This is what you have to do in your heart. Now, well, I'll get into that in just a second. So with a heart of forgiveness, you release that person from owing you a debt to make things right between you. You remember Jesus prayed this in what we call the Lord's Prayer. Lord, forgive us our, the things we owe you because we've done you wrong as we forgive our, the people that owe us because they've done wrong. Okay? So it's, it's all about this thing in human nature called debt. So part of the forgiveness process is for you and me to, number one, stop wishing that they would get theirs. And then secondly, 
you release them and forgive them of owing you an apology. Just like you would forgive them if they owed you $10 million, like that servant did. Okay? All right, you still here? Okay, here's number three. This might be something you do many times, but do it until you have fully released the debt. You might have to do it many times. Now, here's what, here's what I, the adjustment I had to make. I taught that you have not forgiven the person until you have forgotten what they did to you. That may be an impossibility. You ever thought about that? Because let's say, and, and I use Kathy all the time in my sermon illustrations just because she's sitting here. She'll be sitting in the back next week. But anyway, let's say Kathy offended me and, and, and hurt me in some way. And uh, so Jesus' requirement for me is that, first of all, I release any ill will towards her. I forgive the debt that she owes me of coming and, and apologizing to me and asking for my forgiveness. And, uh, but here's the thing. I'm going to see her every week. And you know what? Forgiveness is not spiritual amnesia. You, did you know that? because let me ask you a question. When you see that person who's done you wrong, what's the first thing that pops into your mind? How much you love them? No, what they did. And by the way, the devil's gonna help remind you of that, okay? Now, so I have a choice. Do, what do I do the next time I see her and that pops into my thinking? That pops into my mind. I'm gonna have to deal with that thought. I'm gonna have to deal with that. So I take you back to what Peter asked Jesus in Matthew 18, verse 21. Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how many times may my brother sin against me and I forgive him and let it go as many as up to seven times? And Jesus answered, no, 70 times seven. Here's what I really believe Jesus was saying is he was addressing what I'm talking to you about right now. Because if, if, if really, if I wasn't dealing aggressively with this this forgiveness issue towards her, I see her many times on Sunday. I would have to deal with that every time. And then if she came up and said, good morning, and I was like, good morning? What? What's she so happy about? Doesn't she? And, and so, okay, so I'm having to deal with that. And so I might have to deal with that a bunch because I'm having to deal with her on a consistent basis. How about that coworker that you can't get away from? That's that stole that promotion from you, okay? And you got to deal with them every single day of the week for five days a week, many times a day, okay? What are you going to do? You're going to have to deal with that many times. You're going to have to say, and here's what I do. In Jesus' name, I forgive her. I, and I don't say it out loud, but I say it in my heart. I forgive her. I release her from that. She doesn't owe me anything. Okay, all right, so, so with the heart of forgiveness, there is the dropping of ill will and wishing goodwill. It, it's hard for you to maintain unforgiveness when, if in my prayer time, I take it upon myself to pray for her. God, I ask you to bless her. I ask you to meet every need of her life. God, show yourself strong on her behalf. It's hard to maintain unforgiveness and, 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 you know, and you can't add stuff like, and God, while you're blessing her, get her for what she did. No, you can't, 
You can't add that kind of stuff. All right? Here's number four. So this has all been done in your own heart. But if and when they come to you and repent, then you extend to them the act of forgiveness and move towards restoring the position of the relationship. So let's say Kathy again comes to me and, and she says, you know, I realize that I shouldn't have said or done that and I ask you to forgive me. Well, my, my commitment based on my relationship with Jesus is, yes, I forgive you in Jesus' name. So now the relationship is right and now we can move towards correcting and adjusting our fellowship because there is repentance, all right? Now, here's another aspect of this that I needed to tweak a little bit, and, and that is this, is that when you forgive somebody, if there is no repentance, this is what I taught in the past, it, it, whether they have repented or not, I'm supposed to place them back in right relationship with me. The Bible doesn't teach that because God doesn't do that. Are you listening to me? Okay, because listen, if you, even as a born-again believer, as a child of God, if you insist on practicing sin while you are a child of God, you are damaging your fellowship with God. And you're not going to be able, until there is repentance, there cannot be a restoration of fellowship. Are you listening? Okay, all right, now, Look at what Luke 17, 4 says. Same, same illustration, but just from Luke's gospel. And if even if he sins against you seven times in a day and turns to you seven times and says, I repent, I am sorry, you must forgive him. Now look at what parenthetically it says, give up resentment and consider the offense as recalled and annulled. Wiped out. Okay. So in my heart, I have forgiven her. And then when she comes and, and repents, then I restore the relationship and we move towards fellowship. See, this is why it is difficult because we in the church have told, uh, let's say if there's been infidelity in a marriage, we in the church have told the spouse, whoever was not the offending one, that you need to forgive them and, and, and when you walk in forgiveness, you've got to restore the relationship and the fellowship. Well, let me tell you something. Trust has been broken. And trust has to be earned. I'm going to say this to you. With God, trust has to be earned. Even though you're in right relationship with him, you're going to have to prove yourself. It's called being faithful. And when we are faithful in our relationship with God, he can trust us with more. Are you listening to me? Okay. So with our relationship with each other, once there is repentance, again, you know, even in a situation where there's infidelity, the relationship can be restored, but it might take some time to restore the fellowship back to what it was originally. Okay, see, because... What we have implied in the church, and I'm guilty of this as a pastor of years past, that what almost what we've implied to people is that when you are a believer, you have to walk in forgiveness, and therefore you put a sign back on your back that says, kick me again. 
And Jesus never taught that. Okay? Am I helping anybody today? Okay, so how do you know if the person has repented? Because, you know, words don't mean a whole lot. You know, they can come and say, hey, I'm sorry, and I, I repent and ask you to forgive me, and that's great. But how do I know whether they have really repented? And repentance means to do a 180-degree change in your heart. All right, so how do we know? Well, look what Matthew chapter 3 and verse 8, uh, John the Baptist speaking to the religious leaders of the day he said this, when they would come to be baptized by him in the River Jordan, he would say this, prove by the way that you live that you have repented of your sins and turned to God. We call it fruit of repentance. When you have truly repented, there will be some changes that take place. All right, here's number five. Number five, if they never repent, and ask for forgiveness, trust God with the outcome. Because, you know, there are people, uh, you know, I'm not going to tell you the story and the details, but there have been people that have hurt me financially and otherwise on purpose that have never come and asked for forgiveness, never repented. So what do I have to do? Well, in my heart, I have to forgive them and release them, release any ill will, pray for them. You know, that's why Jesus said, pray for those who abuse you or rightfully, excuse me, pray for those who take advantage of you is one way that he said it, or persecute you, okay? You need to pray for them, all right? But I have had to release them from the debt that they owe me. They don't owe me anything. This is now between them and God. See, when I release that debt and I get out of the way, now it's between them and God, okay? So what I have to do at that point is trust God with the outcome. Now, let me remind you about something. God loves them as much as he loves you. And what his desire is, is that they be brought to repentance and so that their life can experience blessing and and so forth and so on. So what God will do is he'll move on them and with them in order to bring them to that place of repentance, just like he does you. Is there anybody in here that's ever had God deal with them about anything? Okay, it seems like a daily occurrence with me. And so what is that? That's the goodness and faithfulness of God wanting to do me good. Well, he wants to do them good too, all right? So, if they never repent and ask for forgiveness, trust God with the income, outcome. So can I hate them in my heart? No. Can I hold malice in my heart towards them? Okay. All right, now here, let me, I'm, I'm setting a standard for walking in love. And we're going to talk more about walking in love uh, next week. But look at, look at what Ephesians 4 says. Let all, and this is, by the way, Paul writing to believers Christians, and by the way, the church at Ephesus was probably one of the most godly churches in existence that Paul ministered in, okay? So look at what he says. Let all bitterness and indig indignation and wrath, passion, rage, and bad temper, and resentment, anger, animosity, and quarreling 
the Amplified, of course, expands on it. Brawling, clamor, and contention, and slander, evil speaking, abusive, or blasphemous language be banished from you with all malice, spite, ill will, or baseness of any kind. He said, uh, uh, wipe that out. Get rid of it. Then in verse 32, he says this, and become useful and helpful and kind to one another, tender-hearted, compassionate, understanding, loving-hearted, forgiving one another readily and freely as God in Christ forgave you. This is a requirement, okay? Now, you remember Jesus used the phrase in Matthew 18 and verse 35 or 34 when he talked about how that uh, the, the guy who chose not to forgive was turned over to the torturers. One translation I said was tormentors. Um, let me tell you what happens when you choose not to forgive. When you hold bitterness, resentment, and malice in your heart towards somebody else. Now, God is not mad at you. But what you do is you tie his hands from being able to move on your behalf. And what did you notice that when we read that in Matthew 18, it did not say that the, the uh, boss had to go get the tormentors. They were already there waiting for the opportunity to seize this person because of the unforgiveness. What you need to understand is, is when, even as a believer, when we choose to walk in unforgiveness, carry bitterness in our heart and resentment, that God has to take his hands off of you and the tormentors who are there waiting for an opportunity are going to pounce on that opportunity. That's why, you know, medical science has proven that a lot of cases of physical illness in people's bodies can be tied back to the very thing that we're talking about. You know, I've heard cases where, um, where ministers, uh, you know, I, I remember a story Brother Hagin shared, and, and I believe Oral Roberts experienced this in his ministry as well, where there were people who came up to, to receive prayer for healing for severe cases of arthritis in their body, and, and when they came up to pray, the Spirit of God revealed that, that the root cause of that arthritis was they were harboring bitterness in their heart towards somebody who had hurt them years before in their lives, and they had never forgiven them, never released it. No, the Scripture says that envy is the rottenness of the bones in Proverbs, it says. So what am I telling you? You can't afford to harbor unforgiveness and bitterness and resentment in your heart because it will lead to your destruction. And what a shame. Now, God loves you. You'll still go to heaven, but you'll beat us there. It's a serious thing. So, look at what Romans chapter 12 and verse 19 says, Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God, for the scripture says, I will take revenge, I will pay them back, says the Lord. I, the Message Bible, I like it, it says this, don't insist on getting even, that's not for you to do. I'll do the judging, says God, 
I'll take care of it. You know, I've heard stories about people, you know, that have had loved ones that have been murdered. And, um, you know, the, the family members, there were family members who were born again who chose to forgive. And man, what a big act of forgiveness to forgive somebody of that magnitude of ill will or hurt done and harm done. But they chose in their hearts to forgive, to release that debt. And what that did is that opened the door. And, and, and even though this person ended up on, on this, that I have in mind, ended up on death row, they died and went to heaven as a believer. Because, and, and if I remember the story correctly, there was communication between the family and this individual, which ultimately led to them receiving Christ. What if they had chosen to, you know, I can't, I can't forget that. You know, I've heard people say, I can forgive them, but I sure ain't gonna forget it. Well, I'll tell you, tell you, okay, then you really haven't forgiven them. Now, again, I'm not saying you get amnesia, but I am saying what you're really saying when you make a statement like that is, I'm saying I've forgiven them, but in my heart, I'm not letting it go. So we as believers, I know this is a solemn subject. It's not one you want to get up and run around the room about, but it's something that is required of us to do so that we can be the people God wants us to be, so that we can be the vessels of God's goodness and mercy and grace, and then you can be free. That's really what it's all about. Forgiveness does nothing maybe for the other people as far as they may never find out that you've forgiven them. But I'm telling you what, when you make the decision to do this, it will set you free. Amen? Did you get anything out of this today? Praise God. Well, let's pray. Let's bow our heads. I want to ask you a question this morning. Maybe you're here today and there's somebody you need to forgive. Maybe there's somebody that has hurt or harmed you in the past and you've never dealt with that. You know, I can't think of a better time than to, than to do it right now. You don't have to say it out loud. This is between you and God. But I want to encourage you, make that decision. I forgive them today. I release that debt that they owe me I release any ill will that I have towards them that they would get theirs and just decide in your heart to let that go, forgive them, and then leave the outcome to God. I just want to encourage you to do that. And, you know, maybe you, you can't think of anything right now, but I want to advise you to do this. Leave your heart tender. So when you're in your times of prayer, spending time in the Word or spending time in prayer, give opportunity for the Holy Spirit to bring that up. You know, I, I, I shared and I mentioned to you last week how, you know, I really, really, really over the last few months have been very mindful of keeping my heart pure. And so even in times of prayer, the Lord has brought that up of, of situations that, you know, I thought I had dealt with. Maybe I kind of halfway did it, but I really dealt with it in my heart and released that forgiveness. 
because I don't believe that the Holy Spirit would have brought it up if it was not necessary. So I wanna encourage you to do that. Maybe not today, but over the next few days, release that and let it go. And trust God to minister to them. Heavenly Father, I pray for every single person under the sound of my voice. Father, all of us have been hurt by somebody else in some degree or fashion. Varying degrees of pain, varying degrees of cost, if you will. And Father, I just ask you, Lord, right now in the name of Jesus, by the ministry of the Holy Spirit to move upon each and every one of our hearts to forgive, to release that debt, to place them in your hands, and to loose it and let it go so that it doesn't open the door, Father, for the enemy to be able to come in and to have access into our lives and that, Father, it positions us to where our fellowship with you can remain pure and sweet. And I thank you for that. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus for the strength, the help, and the power of your spirit to rise up big on the inside of each and every one. And I thank you for it. Lord, I ask you in Jesus' name to meet every single need of anybody that might be represented here. Father, if there's a physical need, Lord, I just believe right now for the healing power of God to flow into each and every body physically. Father, I pray for those that might be tormented in their minds. They're anxious. They're, they're worried and fretful. Father, I pray for the peace of God to just rest upon them right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, that they can experience your peace like never before. Father, I pray for those today who might need to recommit their lives to you. I pray in the name of Jesus, Lord, that they would dedicate themselves and recommit their lives, place their lives into your hands and come back home. Would you do me a favor, congregation? Would you just, just to make sure everybody is in the same place as far as our relationship with the Lord, would you help me just by praying this simple prayer? Everybody pray it with me. Say, Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I come to you today. I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for me. And I believe with all my heart that he was raised from the dead. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. I make you my Lord and Savior. Forgive me of my sin. Forgive me of my past and give me a brand new start. Thank you for Jesus and the price that he paid for me. Now I thank you that I'm forgiven. I thank you that I'm clean. Now in the name of Jesus, fill me to the full and overflowing with the power of the Holy Spirit. In the name of Jesus. I thank you for it, and I praise you. Amen. Thanks once again for tuning in to the Spring Hill Church podcast. We hope that you have been blessed by today's message. If you would like more information about the church, please feel free to visit us at springhill.cc.